It's time for another edition of Family Life Today, presented by Power to Change, known in America as Family Life. Welcome. We trust you'll find today's program interesting and hope it will be a great encouragement to you and your own family situation. So let's join our presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson. So I think every parent, when they get pregnant and they're getting ready to deliver their first baby and their second or third, they pray the same thing. What do they pray? A healthy child. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did. Yeah. I'm guessing every parent in the world has always prayed. I don't care if he looks like this or that, but please, Lord, mm-hmm. let him be healthy. And then, you know, you bring that little baby into your marriage and you have no idea the stress. <laughs> it's going to be and the fight awesome and wonderful, but it brings stress into marriage. But then when you if you bring home a baby and you find out special needs, the stress is even greater. Yeah. We've already talked yesterday. Um, about how that can just create so much conflict within a marriage. And so we want to talk about that a little bit today, too. Yeah, we've got Joe Baraka back with his wife, Patrice. You've got three kids and your second and third son. You discovered at some point they both had autism. Mm-hmm. Walk us back to, we heard yesterday about son number two, well, your first son, mm-hmm. but then you have another and it happens again. Can you take us there? After having a child with autism and experiencing what life was like, I began to think about what the future looked like for my daughter. And I was thinking, like, I don't want her life to be consumed with caring for Asian parents and a brother with special needs. And I felt like after everything we'd gone through with Zakai, uh, our first son, that we pretty much had it figured out that we decided to have another child that we knew possibly the things to avoid, the things we should do, and, you know, the avenues we should take that we didn't know that that were there. And so your first two were like a year and a half apart. Mm -hmm. Upon birth, yes. The first one was 10 months old when I found that I was pregnant. (laughs) And then, yes, so technically upon birth, it was a year and a half. And so when you found out you were pregnant with your third, how old were the older two? So Zakai was six. six. Yes. Okay. And our daughter was seven. Yes, yes. And we decided that we could probably handle a third That was a long time coming for me. Over the years, the Lord began to chisel away at the fear that lied in my heart of knowing that apparently I have a plan for this child. And I was like, no, thanks. So this was the five-year conversation I I was having with him. Hmm. And basically it came down to, he was like, well, just tell me your concerns. I was like, well, Zakai needs help. and if we have another child and they need help, what is that going to do to our daughter? I need someone that's going to be a nurturer and help our daughter take care of Zakai, whom is also independent, so it will lessen the burden on her. And God was like, okay, done. What else? And I was like, we need Zakai to be a little bit more independent anyway. So we need him to be able to learn how to pick up things, know how to do things for himself, you know, things like that. So he's not so dependent. And long story long, uh, we decided to go ahead. We had um, Zimri, our second son. Well, let me ask you, Sho, like, Mm -hmm. what were you feeling about this whole situation? I was like, let's go. You did. Really? I wanted more children. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
It was, I had concerns. Was the, was your son getting any easier at this point, or was it just really, no, really hard? No, absolutely not. Yeah. He was extremely difficult, probably at the height of difficulty. Oh, really? And where is he on the spectrum? Like, what, He's considered he nonverbal, but um, he does have words. He has language. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not communicate like in conversation format. He won't sit with you and talk. He does a lot of scripting, which is like he'll watch something on a screen, and he'll repeat it to you, and he wants you to like role play in a way. Hmm. Um, Highly intelligent though, can read, uh, can write. Even at his, at, you know, around seven, eight, was writing and reading. Before that. Can then. browse the internet, yeah. So is, Sight he works. is gifted. Yeah, he's intelligent, just high temper, gets frustrated easy. <laughs> and I feel like I'm talking about myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, Patrice sort of gave yeah. you a look like, oh, yeah. like father, so, like son. I watched something you did. You talked about being in a barbershop and yeah. how he just lost it. So, you know, Zakai, the difficulty with him was when you have autism, you can't communicate. And so when you can't communicate, like anybody, if you can't just communicate the things you want, it, it, it frustrates you. And you just get to a point where the only thing that you're going to understand is me throwing a fit, hmm. flipping stuff over, whatever. Hmm. Well, barbershop is one of those spaces that at that time, it was a very difficult situation. And so he gets in the chair halfway through the haircut. He just starts for no reason. He just He's just irritated because, you know, you know, sounds and vibrations around the ear, just sensitive. You have a high sensitivity to things. And so he's just not having it halfway, literally halfway through the cut, throws a fit. He's on the floor. He's everybody. The barbershop's packed. But here's the beautiful thing. Like I'm walking out the door and this woman just walks up to me and just taps me on my shoulder. And she's like, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I just start bawling like really? tears just come out of my eyes and she says i have a son on the spectrum and i and i know what you're going through but mm-hmm. just i think she prayed for me i just don't re- i don't remember much after that because i just remember just this this release yeah it's like an angel me. yeah at the same time there was this gentleman who was emailing me a lot because of a song i wrote uh well it was a song that i partnered with a guy named propaganda called i ain't got an answer and it was the first time i'd ever wrote a song about parenting son with uh, with autism and this guy heard this song. And he kept reaching out to me. Come to find out, this gentleman runs an organization that helps families hmm. with autism. And so I get home. I tell my wife, I was like, I reached my edge. I don't know what to do anymore. And I just went back to Facebook. I responded to this gentleman. I was like, I don't know what to do, but please help me. <laughs> hmm. I need help. And he's like, come to this conference we're having. I want to introduce you to this behavior therapist. We sit in this hotel room for two hours with this woman. She gives us these techniques, these philosophies, these ideas, these therapy. And I kid you not, in about a span of a year, I'll say, Mm -hmm. our son went from an individual who was flinging himself across rooms, banging his head, wouldn't sleep in his own bed. And like from those types of behaviors to an individual who is the most joy-filled, I don't think it's hyperbole. I don't think I'm exaggerating. I don't think I've seen him get upset in the last five five years. Because of these techniques that you started? Well, it started from that. But I honestly feel, I mean. Sounds miraculous. No, it seems the spirit of God, like prayer, just our. And here's the other thing I think happened, too, is I talked about the rage and the anger that he had. I think he was just responding to the Mm -hmm. rage and the anger that I had as well. Like when he would throw a fit and the shame and the embarrassment that I would feel, I would respond like, you're embarrassing me. You would you're, react. An, you're an embarrassment to me. And then the moment I realized, like, show, you got to respond in love. You got to respond with care and gentleness. 
I think that changed the way that he realized how we felt for him. The other thing I think we started to do is actually talk to him. Because oftentimes what happens when you have kids on the spectrum, you don't think they understand you and you talk about them mm-hmm. when they're in the space or you talk around them. And I remember watching a video or maybe it was the therapist who says, like, look, they understand you. They have the intellectual capacity. They may not look. They may be stimming. Yeah. And like and it may not seem like they're observing, but they they're they're taking in what you're saying. And so we stopped talking about them. We started talking to them. We started actually engaging him in ways that were. We started also started giving him words. We started teaching him sign language. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh. So he could communicate. And with sign language, we gave him words. We would say the sign, do the sign, and say the word, and he would start responding because the things that he would need or need to communicate more often are the things that we learned and you know we taught him. So that way he could have a voice. So once he started doing it consistently, the sign language kind of dropped, and he just started using the language. Mm. And then, you know, I think it just kind of skyrocketed from there well this song that you wrote with propaganda uh-huh. we were just listening to it this yeah. morning yeah. and honestly like i was teary listening to it because the words are so powerful should we read the words it's apparent sometimes i think i failed as a parent and my son having autism is rough but maybe he doesn't speak because words don't say much maybe he doesn't need words to communicate his love and sometimes the silence it causes me to stumble it's possible he's a version of me that's more humble and i think my child finds more joy with playing with my phone playing on his own will he shed a tear when i'm gone i'm wrestling with the shame of an outsider's view of me because his life is a spotlight on my own insecurities but i know that his laugh it lights up a thousand rooms and when he speaks to me it's just like a flower blooms this has just become my own digital diary i'm at the doctor's office just hoping they would lie to me my son will be all right but if he's not my son will be all right because he is god's autism sickle cell or down syndrome still keeping the faith in the midst of hard living we stand together because we have no other place to go my son and i will live and fight even though i don't have the answers wow all right amen so when i wrote that song it's crazy like he asked me to he asked me to write a song about parenting. He was like, hey, would you mind writing about your son? And I, it was the first time I I was like, yeah, I can do that. And I really didn't honestly even think about it. Like, I just wrote the lyrics, walked away from the song, and then they sent me the track. And they was like, hey, here it is, and it's completion. And I remember the first time I listened to it, and I was like, oh, oh, wow. Like, I don't remember being that vulnerable when hmm. I wrote this song. And it was just a Holy Spirit moment, like the Lord was was speaking through me. And honestly, it was really my own cathartic moment. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because oftentimes what happens is people send me all kind of messages about that song. And I was like, man, I was really just, it was therapy for myself. And they talk about, man, that song has spoken to me. I have these insecurities. I wonder if my son loves me because he just, you know, they are my daughter. They just want to play with my phone. They don't care about me. And I'm like, look, they just express it differently. They love you. It's so they powerful. love you, and they just they just love you in a different way. And you have to overcome the insecurities of uh, of whatever you think perfect parenting <laughs> or the perfect child is. God is a different assignment or a different contractual understanding that with you. And so, mm. I mean, and, there's so many lines that that in, in that lyric. One of them that jumped out to me was, you know, I just wish the doctor would lie to me and tell me my son's all right. Yeah. How did that expectation that we all as parents sort of have, not that our kids would be perfect, but that they'll be normal. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the word. Normal in quotes. And then when they don't 
whether they have special needs or they just are, yeah. are a healthy child, but they don't live up to our expectations. You had to have dealt with that. I think ultimately we know we come to crisis broken vessels, hmm. <laughs> but we also come with this negotiable posture like hmm. not us guy but like you know i came to you because you know you you gonna make my life comfortable and perfect right yeah you're gonna bless yeah. us and even as i as we started talking about now you've decided to have a third child yeah. surely god we won't have another right. child that yeah. would have special needs and the expectations that you carry with you, you have a, a particular way in which you think god should work out the situation and she had a prayer and you can i guess yeah patrice take us back there we had zimri and he was i guess by all you know expectations he was a normal child um he did have a difficult start i was 10 days from delivering when there was no heartbeat and they thought he had passed away in the womb and needless to say he's here and he was developing as a normal child but then we started seeing the same signs again. My joyous footsteps began to falter. And we both started thinking the same thing. And I know I was frustrated and I was looked. And I remember going in my prayer closet when we started seeing those signs. I was like, See, God, I knew you were going to do that. It's not like I know you got, but I knew you were going to do that. For some reason, I knew when you asked me to have another child that you were going to give me another child. Especially, I don't know how I knew that, but I knew you were going to do it. But can you revisit the prayer that you had? When we were, I guess you can say negotiating. Yeah, right. The negotiations <laughs> um, you had with God. I, he was like, well, what do you need? I was like, I need this child to help my daughter. I need him. Help my daughter help my son. Help mm-hmm. my daughter help my son. I need, I, I, I just, if this is what it's going to be, it would be difficult for me to say that my daughter had will have two brothers to look after. You're not thinking of yourself. You're thinking of the future for yes. your daughter, even. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I need him to be a nurturer. I need him to look out for Zakai to help, if, 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 especially when we found out it was a boy. And so this this is this was my prayer. And I was like, done. And as Zimri began to show signs, we had him tested. First, they were like, well, maybe it's just his hearing, the reason why he's not verbally saying anything. So we were like, oh. One of those things, again, like hope. Yeah, hope. Lie to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that is not autism. Uh, tell us that it's hearing and is, we can deal with this. But his hearing was perfect. He had perfect hearing. We knew that. Yeah, because when the cartoon would come on, three rooms away, boom. <laughs> He's like, hey, that boy hearing. That boy can hear. We feared just But fine. we were hoping. We were hoping. <laughs> and so we did. We took the same steps we took with Zakai. Um, babies can't wait. They introduced him into a school that had a special needs program for pre-K. This is our life now. And so fast forward, Zimri is now nine and he takes care of his brother. Hmm. What's that look like? What it's do you mean? Amazing. It's amazing. It's like one of the most amazing things ever. I watched something with you as your two boys and yes. you could see that just in the one minute I watched. Yeah. There was this beauty there. He's seven years younger, six years younger. Mm-hmm. When we're leaving in the morning, I take them to school. When we're leaving in the morning, Zakai, I love Zakai, but he's a mess. 
he's he's just about the guy's life. Yeah, he he's doesn't a care if he He's has, just kind of like exists. he doesn't care if he has his book bag. He doesn't care if he does. He just it's a guy. We're leaving. Okay, let's go. But Zimri is like, no, you need to make sure the guy has his book bag. We need to make sure the guy has his breakfast. The guy here's your breakfast. Kai here's your book bag, and he just takes it and makes sure you know we get in the car. Zakai wants to eat in the car. When we get to school, he's a mess. And Zimri, I look in my rearview mirror and I can look, I, re, I see Zimri brushing crumbs off of Zakai. Hmm. Nobody told him. He doesn't know that he's supposed to be doing that. He's just <laughs> looking at his brother and he's like, bro, you a mess. <laughs> <laughs> get it together. Let me take care of you. So he's back there just brushing him off. And Zakai's just about his business. He isn't going about his very Zakai I'm business. Assuming, but, yeah. but there's Zimri. So is that the... Uh, you tell me, is the lesson, the learning, you can trust him? You Absolutely. can trust God? Absolutely. I have no idea what God's plan is for my son. Hmm. I just know what my job is, that, to love him and to raise him. And that God answers prayers in ways in which you don't expect him to. Mm-hmm. And hmm. and I think that's the story of autism, too. It's like autism is a different way of thinking. Like, it's it's not neurotypical. So they experience the world differently than us. That's what they, A lot of them have high sensitivities to just different things. They can walk into a room, and these lights just may set them off. Mm. Like, tapping may set them off. And so they experience the world differently. And I think even in this experience, the Lord has answered the prayer in a different way than we expected him to. And it's just a beautiful thing because we see that <laughs> through her prayers of, like, Lord, just... Give us somebody who can be a caregiver in some sort of way. I mean, it may not be the perfect way that uh, someone can be a caregiver, but Zimri is in a lot of ways almost like the big brother. He is. He will not leave school without his brother. When I pick them up, Zimri's already waiting in the front, and the older kids wait a little further back in the school. So when I walk up or pull up to get them, Zimri is kind of waiting. It's like, well, we're just waiting on Zimri because Zimri won't leave without Zakai. Nobody told him to do that. It's just what he does. Well, I love what you said. You said that God had a plan for this child because this child is important. Yeah. And that's true for all of our kids. God has a plan for Mm -hmm. our children, no matter where they are Mm -hmm. in life. And it's important that they're born because God loves them, Mm -hmm. cheers for them. And you as a parent, you're saying, my job is to love him and to raise him. Mm And God will do the rest. And I love that you guys are sharing this because I was just at a conference and a a mom stood up who has a child with special needs. And she just shared what was going on. And she was crying because she said, it feels so lonely at times. Absolutely. And then there are other women in the room standing up. There were six women standing up saying, that's me too. But I never talk about it. Mm -hmm. And the isolation they feel is really real. Mm -hmm. Amen. Absolutely. I think. Men need to begin to address the loneliness that they feel as well, because it's a different type of loneliness. Women, and I'll just I'll make some harsh generalizations here. Women are going to feel the loneliness because as caregivers, oftentimes they're in the home, they're probably with the child the most, and they're isolated in the sense that they carry the burden that we talked about earlier of like the shame, but they're also it's hard to have friends. Mm. It's so hard because people don't invite you to things because mm. it's, it's inconvenient. There are all kind of issues, right? But men oftentimes just are isolated or are lonely by uh, by withdrawal. Hmm. They they remove themselves because there's like, well, if I can't do these things with this child, then why why even have an interaction? 
And I get all these praise, like all this praise for interacting with my kids. You know, I think it's it's good for to be affirmed as a father. Like, man, it's good to see you interacting with your kids. And we go to camps and folks are like, why are you the only father that's actually active? All the other fathers are still in the t- or stuff like, you know. And it breaks my heart that mm. I'm getting praise for something that I that we sh- that we should be doing. Yeah. And part of the reason is is because we don't normalize the conversation. It's like, look, we're gonna have kids that don't perform in the ways that we want them to perform, but that shouldn't change our affection and the way we interact with them. And all, the more I talk about this publicly, the more that I see men talk about this, the more I hear them confess their shame and their their struggle. Like, yeah, man, I don't know what to do. Mm. I sometimes have to force myself to interact with my kids because it's just like they don't do the things that I want to do. So I just chase my kid like my my youngest. I just chase him around the house. He just says tag. And I'm like, all right, let's run around the house. I'll body slam you a couple of times, <laughs> whatever. My other son likes to do like this performance where he, he plays something. I have to repeat it. And we just do that every now and then or I draw something for him. And those are the ways that they show their interaction and affection. And as much as they're willing to bring that to me, and it could be as simple as just taking them to the park, taking them to the store, taking them in public. And uh, that'll start to chip away at the shame or the insecurity that you have. And you never know what will build and come from mm-hmm. that. And so, yeah, women, amen. Like, I think there needs to be more of that consolation out there. But I also feel like there needs to be a group of men who just get together and just talk about the loneliness that they're experienced too. And... Men aren't known for their emotions and emoting in ways that are healthy, but... They need to. They need to. Yeah. We need to. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication, and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you want to impact marriages in your community? Consider hosting a day together, a one-day marriage conference that focuses on developing oneness in marriage. We have trained speakers that will come to you to present humorous but biblically sound messages of hope. For more information or to get started today, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website at families.powertochange.org.au under the Conferences tab. We hope you can join us again on Monday right here for another Family Life Today.